I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. And today's episode is about raising lifelong learners. So Megan and I both love having kids who are curious, who want to learn about the world. Um, And maybe you're looking for ways to kind of supplement what's going on at school, or you just want to create a home environment that supports learning. But we're not talking about kind of flashcards and after school Mm. tutoring programs. Nope. That's not really our style. So um, we're much more about kind of, I think, both of us wanting our kids to be naturally curious, to follow their interests, and how do we support that as parents, maybe with, you know, providing the right environment and the right tools without being too top-down about it, because we know that can take the fun right out of learning. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And Megan, I'm really excited to hear from you on this one in particular, because your kids are so much older than mine, and I I know that they've kind of um, done this naturally, explored their own interests, and gotten really into stuff. So I'm excited. Different things. Different things, and not always the things we think we would teach them if we were right you know absolutely yeah um also i want to let everybody know that our friend katie our resident new mom katie is back with another segment that i did with her so listen to the very end of this show and katie will share what's going on in her life as a mom of a baby and a toddler so we got such great feedback from you guys um and the plan is to do that once a month so listen all the way to the end and you will hear my conversation with katie but first, we got but mail, first. you guys. We got Oh my mail. gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> we were so excited to get mail. So the letters have started trickling in. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we are inviting you to write encouraging cards and letters um, as we lead up to Mother's Day and mail them to us. And we were going to share them on the air with you on social media. So the first few have arrived. And Megan, I want you to read one that came in just because I want I want our listeners to kind of know an example of the type of messages that are being sent in. And we really yeah. want to encourage anybody. You don't have to be a writer. You don't have to be poetic. You just nope. have to have a few words of encouragement for another mom. So will you read this one, Megan? I will read this one. Yes. Um, okay. So, um, this one is oh and you know what Sarah remember how we were going to call out the first one we got yes we I got, don't but we got a whole bunch of we ones. got three on the first <laughs> so, day that we got any we yes, got three we got threes so and this yay. was one of them this is one that we're gonna we're gonna read on the uh, on the show and I'm sure there'll be more so um, dear mother of busy older kids and a new baby oh man I've been there. You may miss the hockey game or two to stay home and nurse. You might not be able to volunteer for that field trip because you don't trust a sitter with an infant. But you are showing your other kids another example of love. You are showing them that through sleepless nights and juggling many tiny humans, you can still put on a smile and give them a hug. They won't remember that game you missed, but they will learn what love is by watching you care for their younger sibling. And someday soon, both you and the baby will be cheering them on at that game. Kisses and hugs, mommy in Denver. Actually, it says XO, but we all know that means kisses and hugs, right? Yes. 
I love Mommy that. in Denver, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. This like made me kind of choke up a little bit. I know. I know. There there already are a few that I feel like we will hardly be able to read without getting a little emotional because yeah. I mean, we just we just believe that whatever your message is, so Mommy in Denver had this very specific message, guarantee there's somebody out there who needed to hear it. So, we're also going to be sharing images of these letters on social media and in the show notes. So, we thought we'd give you a little teaser um, and then we have lots of lots of ideas of how to roll these out as we lead up to Mother's Day. So okay. to write your own note to us, um, just head to themomhour.com. There's a little badge in our sidebar that says Mother's Day Challenge, and that's where you will find our mailing address and any other details you need, although we've been talking about it quite a bit lately. So yeah. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's dive right into this. So um, again, we're talking about cultivating lifelong learners and creating a home environment that supports kids learning. Um, I wanted to start with, I feel like this is an area where well-meaning advice gets carried away and kind mm. of zaps the, <laughs> zaps the fun right out of things. So we have so much information now to... Um, learn about child development and what kids need. And then that turns into a whole, you know, a whole category of products and programs to support learning. And I don't think any of that is bad, but I do think it can create this feeling of pressure. Like now we've got to be homeschooling our kids on top of, on top of sending them to school. So if you want to kind of unpack that and just help us feel better about that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about creating little geniuses. No, we're not. And you know what? I blame Hooked on Phonics. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that was like the original like um, enrichment program sort of disguised as a game. Yeah. And remember the commercials that were on constantly when we were kids? Hooked on Phonics worked for me. I'm joking, obviously. And I'm sure it was a great program and really helped a lot of kids. But there was I think that was kind of like the birthplace of this idea that you know, it's not enough to just read with your kids or it's not enough just to have books in your house and to yeah. support reading. You have to have a program. And right. I think that now that, that you could probably find something like that for everything. Um, oh, definitely. From, you know, oh, and remember Zoo Books? That was the other one. Uh-huh. Oh, Zoo Books were really fun. Um, but uh, there, there's just this, you know, like that, those were a few, like a handful of things when we were growing up. And right. even when Jacob was a little baby, there was just right. not that many things. And now it's like, in the home, out of the home, you know, you've got, it's not just kinder music anymore. There's like 8 million spinoffs of things that you can do outside of the house and inside of the house with your kids right. to make them basically good at everything. Right. <laughs> like, and because we have access to all that stuff, we right. feel like we have, like we have to use it. Right. Right. Um, but the fact is, you know, most of us have households to run and other kids to raise and we don't really have the time and resources to invest in any one kid, like all these different enrichment programs to make them. And, and kind of what is the point? Is it to make them more talented, more well-rounded, more right. smart? I mean, um, I, I feel like it hit the sentiment, while the products are cool, yeah. the sentiment can get really out of control. It can get really and out of... it's not necessary. Yeah, exactly. And it, it sort of like systematizes what is a much more just experiential thing, which is how kids learn and their minds develop and their interests develop. And it sort of turns it into this checklist or this thing you have to have or this thing mm-hmm. you have to do. Um, well, I thought we could just maybe offer some suggestions for how this works in our house and offer some tips. Um, and my first tip is just to remember that there are lots of different kinds of learning and that even traditional acad- academic subjects like language and math and science, that kind of learning for kids doesn't just happen in the traditional academic ways. So like 
math happens in a game of Pokemon or in mm, yeah. in cupcakes. Like we've talked right. about this before. And language happens in singing and talking with your kids. And, you know, obviously reading. We know that. You and I have talked a lot about reading aloud. But um, I feel like it's getting younger and younger that as parents, we're supposed to practice these facts and these um, more traditional academic subjects with our kids. And I just would encourage you to pay attention to the ways that that learning happens in what you're already doing with your kids, including things like Pokemon and totally mm-hmm. like kid kid friendly things that the kids don't even it does it doesn't even have to be secret learning it's not like hiding vegetables it's just being a kid and that learning is happening so i don't know if you can relate to that yeah well and i think what's really important to keep in mind what the way i look at that stuff is like i use that knowledge that yeah pokemon has math and baking has math and all those things i use that knowledge as a way to help me feel good about those the, what my kids are getting out of those activities. What I don't do is focus too much on the fact that that's what's happening. You know right. what I mean? Totally. Like I remember reading a lot of articles about like, you know, take your child to the grocery store. It's like a, it's like a math lesson. Right. You can talk about, you know, weight and division and all this stuff. And yeah, that all happens naturally, but it would really kind of kill a fun afternoon for me if totally. I took my little one to the grocery store and then was like, and now it's math time. Yeah. <laughs> Shopping cart math begins yeah. now. So I think that that's a really useful way to look at it for ourselves, to make ourselves feel good about what's going on and to understand how much learning is happening. Right. Um, but but yeah, like I really don't focus on it very much specifically while it's happening. It kind of takes you out of the moment. No, it, it absolutely does. And the whole point of this is to kind of follow what the kids are learning anyway. So there's no quicker way to be a buzzkill than to yeah. <laughs> impose exactly. facts. Now, and, I will say that my kids are at an age where they ask a lot of questions. Um, yeah. And sometimes and it might be at the grocery store about money or, you know, making change or the cost of something. And so, you know, I feel like I do have always one ear tuned to the questions they're asking and turning that into usually you can turn it right back and say well why don't you figure that out or what you know right well how do you think that works yeah. um which is usually it's like the best way to answer any question that your kid uh, asks. absolutely <laughs> answer a question with a question there's yeah. nothing nothing annoying about that yeah, <laughs> motherhood I'm kidding. 101 yeah. no um <laughs> so i do feel like you can kind of have an awareness for where their curiosity is going but yes i totally agree it does not need to be you don't need to have your lesson plan with you when you go to the grocery store. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I was thinking about the other day, I was um, a couple weeks ago, I was holding a friend's newborn and it occurred to me, like I'm looking at this baby and thinking all this baby is doing right now is taking in like information. Yeah. It is a sponge. Like this baby's looking all around. It can't do anything yet. All, literally all it can do is learn <laughs> and no one's, sitting there telling it what it's supposed to learn. It's yeah. just learning it. It's just looking around. It's here. I mean, think about the amazing amount of um, the amazing number of milestones a, a baby will cover in its first two years, right. first three years. You know, it's just I know that it's a little different when they get older. There's more going on. They're doing more and not just absorbing as much. Right. But but kids are still sponges and we're still sponges. I'm right. learning right now. Right. Something I'm something is is wiring in my brain right now. And I don't have to think about it. It's happening. Yeah. So I try to keep that in mind, too, especially with those little ones who do ask all those questions and are just kind of wide eyed and looking at the world like. We don't have to work so hard. Well, it. and I don't know if this happened to you, but I feel like I was very, I, I was a hundred percent believer in what you just said with toddlers and preschoolers. And then I feel like you get into school and schools have a way of, at least the schools we've been in, of making parents feel like they should be 
doing some of these traditional like math facts and and Mm -hmm. sight words. And I'm not going to knock that because I'm not an educator. And I know there are different ways that teachers have approached this um, and all of that. However, I do feel like it can sort of shake your confidence a little if you've been one of these people that, you know, like you said, believes that kids learn by doing and that by just exposing them to different things and talking to them and reading, uh, reading to them that we're doing enough. And then I feel like there are some school programs and some curriculums that kind of make you question that. And I think that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So I, all I yes. would say, I'm not going to get into it, but all I would say is that if you need a vote of confidence that you're doing enough and you need and you need somebody to give you permission to maybe not drill your six-year-old in math facts every night, even if that's recommended, I'm, I'm giving you that vote of confidence right now. You can yeah. opt out of that. For sure. And, you know, that's another thing I think is so, um, so like specific to the kids. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's been really hard. Well, it's teacher to teacher. It's yeah. in our schools. I don't feel like it's ever been just curriculum based. It's always been like some teachers are really into math facts and sight yeah. words and some seem more relaxed about it. Um, I know for myself as someone who has been a little math challenged in my life, um, having a really solid basis in my math facts really helps me. So I've got some kids who don't really need that as much. Like, yeah, they're just good at math. It just happens. They, they just kind of absorbed and learned those yeah. things. Um, I've had other kids who really needed to know math facts because if yeah. they didn't know them, they would get stuck. And yeah. you can tell who those kids are just by helping them with their homework. You can yeah. tell when a kid has to spend five minutes trying to remember what nine yeah. times nine is. Right. That causes frustration because they can't remember. It's like starting over every single time. And when I put right. myself in their shoes, it's like, it feels like torture. Yeah. So for those kids, I would maybe hit it a little harder. I've got yeah. kids who are naturally awesome spellers and kids who are kind of terrible spellers. Yeah. I've got kids who um, read really, really easily and never needed a lot of sight word help. And then I've got kids who kind of struggle with words that don't phonetically make sense. So right. I just kind of figure out what that that kid needs and focus on that and you yes. know, throw the rest out the window. Yes, I totally agree. And, and I think um, sometimes this has gotten pushed down younger and younger, too. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a big difference in spending a little time working on some of those skills with a seven and eight year old than there is with a five and six year old. So I get a little riled up when it's been pushed down. And then when yeah. I see parents getting worried about even yes. pre kindergartners, yes. like now my kids got to know sight words before they get to kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, yeah. that's a big difference than, that is than a, a big seven difference. year old second grader having some spelling words to me. That's a huge developmental yeah. difference. So anyway, I don't want to spend too much well, time on that, but just, just, you know, don't, don't let whatever's coming home from school make you question what you've come to know about your own kid and how kids learn. That's all. Yeah. And I would add also just, um, I know that teachers are under, are under an amazing amount of pressure to yes. get, and then, you know, kindergarten is the new seventh grade, second yeah. grade, whatever. <laughs> grade. Um, seventh grade, it might as well be. <laughs> yes. And there's some, some, there's, it's a mixed bag. There's some good things about that and some bad. But I've also had kids who started reading at three or four. And I've had kids that in my own family that didn't read really very well till they were going on eight. And they're all like it all evens out. Yeah, I don't think there's any research. I think the research shows that early reading isn't a predictor of how well kids will read later. The on. only yeah. thing I can see it being a predictor of mm-hmm. possibly is how readily those kids are able to learn independently before they can read. Sure. And to me, that's all about the way it's taught. So like if they can't read the yep. lesson, they're not going to absorb the lesson unless right. the lesson is demonstrated in several different ways. Right. Um, and some schools are really good about doing that and some right. don't have the time or the resources. They have too many kids or whatever. So um, again, it's like a, a total year miles will vary on that kind of a thing. Right. But 
But but yeah, I hear you. I hear the annoyance in your voice. Yeah, so. you do. You hear my soapbox that I'm about to climb up on, but I'm going to not. <laughs> we'll move yeah. on. Okay. Um, okay, well, one other thing. My next thing, and I think you'll have lots to say about this, is to recognize that it's not always going to look balanced, what kids are interested in learning about. So let's, t- let's step aside from school stuff for a minute. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to hear your experience about kids who've sort of gotten really into one particular subject area, because I feel yes. like sometimes as parents, our knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, I want them to have an appreciation for music and the arts and science. And yes, and all I, of the things. All of the things. And um, I just feel like, number one, that's not how humans work. But number two, it can actually be a good thing to let them get downright obsessed with one particular thing, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And I this has played out in different ways with all of my kids. I will say I am less concerned with hitting academics at home because the kids, if they're going to be missing out on anything at school, it's probably going to be arts. I mean, yeah. frankly, the, the funding isn't good and they don't get enough time, in my yeah. opinion, as an arts-based person. Um and I'm into those things. Yeah. So those are the things I tend to focus on at home. I will say some of my kids have been rather athletic. Most of them could take sports or leave them. Mm-hmm. And that works out because I don't really care about sports. <laughs> but I'm still going to support any sport the kids really get into. My kids have, have gotten obsessed about really random stuff. So like, give us an example. Yeah, I love So that. Owen is super into yo-yoing right now. Love really it. into it. Love it. And he basically like, I have to take the yo-yo out of his hand in the morning or he will not get ready for school. He won't eat breakfast. He just can't stop himself. He's like obsessed. But that's his personality. He is a very determined kid. He really, you know, he wants to, if he starts doing something, he wants to go all the way with it. Right. Um, now, that's adorable to watch Owen walk around with a yo-yo and everyone's like, oh, it's such good, clean fun. And it's very easy to support. Like I bought him a top of the line yo-yo. It was, I don't know, 25 bucks. It right. felt like a great, an easy right. investment for me to make in what maybe it's not top of the line but it was like a really good a really good I don't really know a diamond encrusted yo <laughs> he picked it out it was the level he wanted he was super yeah. excited about it so I bought it for him um, I'm going to enroll him at, in a yo-yoing contest uh, that that's in the amateur level this so spring because I think it's so fun but like that's one of those things people see and they're like oh look at this kid yo-yoing it's adorable well let's talk about the this summer that Isaac did nothing but watch um, sketch comedies like for a whole summer, all he did was watch comedy television, like sitcoms and sketch comedy shows. That's it. Um, he's one of the funniest people I know. He probably could have a future as a TV writer. I mean, he's, he's that funny and very, very smart. And I kind of thought, why not? Like, yeah. why? Wh- what? Who, who am I to say how he should spend his time or that he has a better way to spend his time? This is right. something he loves that is helping him get good at something that he might you know, actually go on to do right. um, in some way. I remember talking to someone, I gosh, I wish, I wish I could, I think it was Gretchen Rubin, actually, a few years ago, I did a, an interview with her um, okay. um, on the Home Hour. And I want to say she said she had a, a relative who was a TV writer and said, you know, I wish as a kid I'd watched more TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think that's so funny because we're yeah. supposed to not let our kids watch TV. Like that's like right. bad parenting. It's right. just staring at a screen. But for Isaac, it wasn't just passively staring at a screen. It was, um, it was really taking in the skill and um, and I guess like the the timing and stuff that goes into making a really good comedy. And so. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Those are two examples. Yeah, no, I Jacob's love- an obsessive uh, researcher yeah. as well. I mean, like, you know, they get obsessive about different things. No, I, I mean, I love hearing that because I think um, as kids get older, those of us who don't have older kids, um, I think it's great to hear these examples of them finding an interest that's so 
outside of anything you have ever put in front of them and just running with it. I mean, I, I'm not an expert in learning and development, but I know there's, I know there's like a process it's mastery, right? When a, when a kid will do something over and over and over again, we see it with our babies and our toddlers, even with things like rolling over and crawling and repeating words so that that desire to repeat and repeat like Owen's doing with the yo-yo, I think is mostly healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. And to kind of to set aside this idea that it's that we've got to keep them balanced or, um, you know, interest them in a variety of different things. I think, um, you know, it's just this is just another way to look at that. It doesn't mean that it's not not good to expose them to a variety of things, but to let them get obsessed. If the obsession is healthy and it's a summer of like, yeah, like you said, sketch comedy watching. I don't think right. that's a bad thing. And and also, it's important to remember, too, that if your kids are in school or in daycare, um, the time that they spend in your house is just one part of their day. And the rest of that time is going to be really varied. I mean, the, the rest of the time that they are doing, it's going to be lots of different subjects being exposed to a lot of different people. I think sometimes there's some comfort to kids in like coming home and just diving. For me, it was reading. Yes. I was an obsessive reader. Um it was very comforting to come home from sort of school was very, you know, chaotic at times and there was mm-hmm. a lot going on and there was a lot of people to deal with and all that stuff. And then just kind of coming home and losing myself in a yes. book for two or three hours was a, a, a retreat for me. And and you're not just learning about reading that's opening up a world to you that's completely, you know, that's, that's pretty multivaried. Owen yeah. walking around yo-yoing. Well, he's also listening to the music that's going on in the house. He's also interacting with us. It's not yeah. like he's like standing in a corner by himself like closed off to the world either. And he's also just had a long day of school where he's been doing a lot of different things. So it's, there's a lot going on in their lives. That's not, has nothing to do with us. Yes. Um, So I think we can relax a little bit. Yeah, I I totally agree. And maybe a good indicator. I know for my kids, a good indicator of whether it's like a healthy obsession and something that helps them unwind, like you said, is how they behave after. So if Reed disappears and tinkers with Legos for an hour after school and when he reemerges, he's social and can talk about his day and is happy. If I let him do like Angry Birds Transformers on the iPad for an hour after school, he would be a monster. And that's not, not not all screen time is created equal, but I can tell by what my kid was doing is how they how they behave after they come out of that activity, right. whether it's kind of like a healthy obsession or maybe like maybe not. So, right. Yeah. I want to say one other thing about that. And I yeah. maybe you were already going to get to it, but um, I'm jumping the gun. Go for it. I have to say. So I just got, I just got my first theater kid, William, oh, um, audition for a um, for a musical. High school musical junior. Nice. Last week and got the part of Zeke, who is the uh, basketball player who secretly likes to bake. Anyway, I I know. Um, I I just, I guess I want to talk a little bit or like just put it out there that I'm into theater. I've done theater much of the time my kids have been young. Yeah. And people kept saying, well, when are your kids going to start doing theater? And I was like, well, this is my thing. They don't have yeah. to do it. You know, and we listened like Jake. I think Isaac did one play. It, it was so awkward. He did Godspell. <laughs> and we got it was like the most awkward thing I've ever watched. It just wasn't his bag. And Jake right. would never had any interest at all. Um, and sometimes I get, you know, especially in this little tight knit community theater world where entire families do shows together and I was sort of this mom showing up for plays I wanted to do just because I wanted to do them and people are like are your kids going to be in it and I'd say why would I bring my no I'm doing this (laughs) for me to have fun mine Um, 
that said, I was hoping at some point someone would show some interest. And the way it happened was Will came to see a few of my shows. He got really obsessed with some soundtracks. Um, you know, so we've been, Sarah, thank you for um, getting Clara hooked on Hamilton because now my entire family is hooked on Hamilton. Yes. Um, but you know, other soundtracks that William would listen to. And finally, when this opportunity came up for him to audition for something at school, he decided to go for it. And now he's really excited about it. So I finally have a theater kid, but I didn't have to push that at all. The right. only thing I, the only pushing I did was I said, Hey, well, um, I think you should try it for this show. And he said, well, I don't really know the music and I'm not sure I'm really interested. And I said, why don't you just try it? Because you really have nothing to lose. And you know, the it was kind of a cool process. They had like a week's worth of um, rehearsals and then the oh, audition was at like the end of the week. Oh, that's great. So the yeah. kids kind of got to ease in. And by day two, he was like, yep, this is fun. So it, I, I had to like, I think I just had to encourage him to put himself out there a little bit. Right. But I didn't have to encourage the interest. Right. The interest was there. Um, I just had to wait for one of my kids. Like, you know, the, it was out there and I just had to wait for one of my kids to get into it. And, and so I'd now like I've to got point one. out how old is William? We're not talking about 13. a seven year old. He's 13. He's 13. It took him so, a while. Yeah. And this is a, this is a lifetime of being exposed to something right. and seeing you enjoy it and seeing what happens when a community comes together around a play. And yep. yeah, so it's not, it's not, doesn't have to all be squared away by the time they're in second <laughs> yes. grade. Your <laughs> like kid you doesn't have to have your to... theater kid when they're five. Yeah. No, in fact, I think there's some benefits to it, like holding off and doing they have still so much time ahead of them. Right. Like there's this urgency about, oh my gosh, my kid's five and they have to figure out what it is they're going to be into. They don't right. even know what they're going to be into at five. I mean, they're, they're just trying stuff out. Crackers. They're into goldfish crackers. <laughs> you know, they're into the playground drama and they're into just all the stuff. They're not really, they're not thinking, you know, I really need to be more well-rounded. Right. I really need to enrich myself. Yeah. So there's so much time. And the longer you wait, sometimes in some ways, to really dive into something, it does get a little easier on you as a parent as well because the kids, it's more them wanting to do it than you wanting them to do it. And I think that makes a difference. Agreed. I'm so glad you brought that up and I'm so excited to hear more about William's play. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Okay. So one other thing I wanted to talk about next was filling our homes with things that kind of support learning without being top down about it or, or instructive. Yeah. Like we talked about at the beginning. Um, the obvious is having good books around your house, having good music that you like around, um, letting your kids see you listening to podcasts or watching mm-hmm. the news. If you, I don't watch the news, but you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> you're doing, whatever um, it is. Yeah. So a couple, I have a couple of specific things. Um, one is we've always loved having nonfiction, like the kind of um, DK or National Geographic sort of kid encyclopedia type books. Now, it kind of happened that I had a very science oriented kid from, I swear, the time he was two into dinosaurs and reptiles and animals. And that turned into other science things. But I think for any family, good quality um, child, you know, children's encyclopedia type books, you know, the ones yep. I'm talking about, right? Like good, you know, sure. good quality. They have them on all different topics and different age ranges, but just, just putting those on your bookshelves um, and letting your kids see the process of like, Oh, you know, they're interested in something. Let's see if we can find that in a book. Of course, we're going to Google stuff on the internet and that's the way yeah. of the world. But I, I think it's still great for kids to see nonfiction books, whatever that mm-hmm. looks like in your house. Um, and so we just have a ton of those. And I feel 
DQ. Yeah, like, we have a ton of those DQ yeah, books. Like, yeah, they're everywhere. They are, yeah. and they're they're usually very photo heavy, and they have yep. great photographs. It's, I mean, we're talking DK or National Geographic, so the photos are great, um, and they may just kind of gravitate toward them when there's an interest, or there may be they may be doing something for school that's on a certain country, and you realize, oh, I bet we you know can find that in one of our books. I just yeah. think maybe I'm being old fashioned, but I think the ability to pull books off the shelf and not just for the stories, not just for the fiction yeah. is really good. So I, I will probably not get rid of those for a long, long time. You know, just keep them around, yeah. keep them on the shelves. Um, we also, I wanted to mention this specific brand of placemats that we have that the kids use, and it's from a brand called Painless Learning, and you can get them on Amazon. I'll link to them. And they, they're just placemats that we throw on the kitchen table for meals, and they have them on all different topics. And so mm-hmm. um, there's one that, because the kids got so into... Hamilton. There's one with all the presidents of the United States oh, and Allegra cool. will look at that one. There's one about money. So it's pictures of money and making change. And we don't, I don't go around the dinner table and say, okay, let's learn about what's on your placemat. I just put it out there. There's maps. My right. favorite are the maps because I'm really spatially challenged, but I love to look at maps. I love to like remind myself where things are in relation yes. to each other because yep. I can't yep. do it in my head. No, so I know. I'm we have way. one world map and one United States map. And I just put them out and it, inevitably it sounds corny but i it's not inevitably like dinner conversation will go somewhere and be like oh yeah it's right there on the map you know like yeah. it just it's this there so i guess i don't know if you have any other specific things that you keep around your house but i well, think there's you know there's I, ways to be hands off but still have yeah. the materials around for older kids i i think it's nice to um subscribe to some interesting magazines oh that's so, so true. like time magazine and for younger kids they you know ranger rick and yes um there's a lot of like younger versions of magazines as well that kind of um summarize news stories or whatever right. in, in a kid-friendly way right those are really fun and one thing that this, you're talking about maps incurred like just inspired me to get a nice globe when i was a kid i played with our globe for hours so at a time. Did I. I obsessively played with the globe oh look we have that in common i love it i would do this game that i called around the world i just forgot all about that until this very moment. And I would like, I was probably like seven or eight and I would spin the globe super hard and close my eyes and stick my finger on it. And then wherever it, my finger landed, I would try to learn everything I could about like that country. That is so cute. Or can that you just place. Be, I can just feel what our globe felt like in my hand. <laughs> it was right kind now. of bumpy. Yes. It was and like, did you yes. have an equator that was almost a little gold? Like, I or like, so like, yeah, like, like a little gold a ball thingy, m- metallic, then? like, yeah. yeah. And then the equator, like the, or I mean, the North around. Pole was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're spatially <laughs> challenged. <Sure. people. laughs> um, oh, I've totally forgot about globes. Yes. Maps too, yes. but globes are amazing. We and had globes one are then, so much yeah. more tactile. Like they're, they're so, a, yes. a hands on thing. I'm getting one Pro right globe. after we hang up. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. we had one, and then I felt like I didn't have a surface to put it on, and probably I had toddlers who would knock it over. But yes, exactly, well, globe. we're over that now. Everyone, so. go get yourself a globe. <laughs> let's, um, let's have an affiliate link to globe dot com. <laughs> we just we just thing? sold like a hundred globes. <laughs> the globe people are going to be like, whoa. Um, oh, but magazines are such a good one, and not just not yeah, not just the kid magazines, but just no. general interest as the kids get older. I'm so glad and we you have like Rolling up. Stone lying around. I yeah. think we got somehow got subscribed to Sports Illustrated which is funny because I mean I'm not really into sports at all I don't know how that happened but I have to say like when they're like the Cubs won less yeah you know that we had it always out and I thought yeah. it was really interesting to dive into that history and stuff so even I get into reading stuff sometimes that I have really no interest in right. if it's a compelling story and you have the material in front of you you yes. get into it 
Yes, and magazines are, I find with kid, with my kids who want to only read their one specific series that they're into, magazines are like a tricky way to get them reading something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my last like actual tip is to let your kids see you looking things up and solving problems. And again, it doesn't have to be so academic. Like you, they don't have to see you reading the encyclopedia. But when you, you know, if you need to Google YouTube videos for how to fix your vacuum cleaner or, you know, yeah. let them see. Well, we're Brian and I are always talking about movies and TV and actors. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, what was that guy in? And you look it up on IMDb. Yep. And then and that leads you on a train of thought of like, what yes. else is a great movie? Let your kids see you being interested in solving problems and finding yeah. stuff out whether it's on your phone I mean it gets to our, it gets to the point where we have to like stop pulling out our phones at the dinner table because that's that's a different right. issue but I do think it's good for kids to see you interested in finding out answers and solving problems in all different ways I love that and I, I'm going to add like a little story about yeah. our house um, so in our house you know, most of the kids are older and we often just all hang out in the kitchen and I got a Google Home for Christmas right and we spend so much time just like hanging out like I'll be cooking or doing the dishes or whatever and we're just hanging out and the kids are just shooting these random questions at Google because she'll answer questions right so you can say how far is the earth to the moon or whatever I mean you can right. say you can ask her anything and she'll respond um, and then that's led to some really cool like spinoff questions like then the kids just and it becomes almost like a game to them yeah. they, like who can come up with the weirdest most random question but then who can kind of piggyback off of that question and sometimes it does like you said it doesn't have to be so academic it's just fun we're all yeah. hanging out together having a good time but we're also learning stuff um, that maybe we wouldn't ever think to learn otherwise right. or like wouldn't come up so um, that's been really really fun so if you have any any kind of device like that that's yeah. a fun way to just kind of play around with it and 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 you know just use it for use it for for good yes not just and, for shopping yeah <laughs> yes hey Siri yeah no yeah. We, we have Siri and the kids will always ask to ask Siri things and sometimes I'm like Siri doesn't know that let, right. let me answer that one let me I answer that one Siri um and then, yeah, one final thought is I thought going back to William and the play, I just want to say again about leaving room in kids' schedules. This is something that we've talked about before. We've talked about it when we've talked about free range parenting and kind of sports and activities. But um, none of this learning and fun is possible with a super overscheduled kid. And I think our listeners, I feel like we're probably preaching to the choir here, but it just... Same thing when school gets started and you start to have peers, other moms and other families who are putting their kids in nonstop, I mean, extreme nonstop enrichment and activities. Um, it can feel like you're the only one opting out yes. of that. And I, I do feel like I'm one of the only ones kind of opting out of that in my area. I live in a part of the country where there's enough affluence and enough good weather to do all of the things all of, all the, of things. the year. Yeah. Um, and so it is like, I'm not really a rebel type, but in this way, I do feel like I have to continually just opt out and buck the trend. And I think there's a tie in between being really scheduled with young kids and then leaving room for this kind of boredom that leads to asking Google random questions as a family around the kitchen. So, you know, I I don't want to be judgmental about it, but I just want to point out that there is a connection in the type of spontaneous and fun learning that we're talking about and having room for that to happen in your schedule. Absolutely. All right. Well, I would love to hear 
what our listeners think about all of this. As always, you can shoot us an email. Hello at themomhour.com. Um, or Don't forget to ju- uh, enter the Mother's Day challenge. Yes, right. Let's keep sending your letters. You have until May 1st. So we wanted to give you lots of time, but also tell you don't wait. So yep. don't wait. Don't wait. Do it. Join um, the trend. It's the hottest thing right now. Yes, I loved that letter that you <laughs> read aloud, Megan. Um, and stay, keep listening, because after we finish up here, you're going to hear from me and Katie. And I just realized that in this segment, Katie actually talks about kind of a fun learning resource she found for moms of babies and toddlers. So nice. um, okay, a little sneak peek. It sort of ended up being related without planning it that way. So awesome. All right. Well, we will be back next week, everybody. And everything we talk about today will be in the show notes at themomhour.com. Hey everybody, it's Sarah back with Katie for our regular segment where Katie brings us a challenge that she's going through in new motherhood and a discovery. Hey Katie. Hi. Hi everyone. So um, if you missed this last month, this is something new that we're doing. Katie has a two-year-old and a six-month-old by this point. Um, so she is much newer to mothering two young children than Megan or me. And so we like to bring her on and chat about a few things she's going through because we know that she is not the only one. So first up, Katie's challenge this week. What's going on? So my challenge this week, you guys, is postpartum fitness. And it's kind of ironic that I even say fitness because really it's the opposite of that it's postpartum anti-fitness is what I'm struggling with so what's your plan are you back doing some things so because of some postpartum conditions that I have specifically I have diastasis recti which is separation of the abdominal Mm -hmm. muscles and it's actually a much more common problem than women really know about okay And I wouldn't have even actually known about it um, other than I was in a mommy and me class and a physical therapist who was visiting that Mm -hmm. particular week examined each and every single mom. Yeah. So it turns out out of the like 15 moms, there were two moms that had it. And I was one of the lucky lucky winners. (laughs) So um, I actually have a three. I started with a three and a half finger separation. Wow. Yeah. So through physical therapy work, I've gotten it down to about two fingers worth of a separation. But because of any separation at all, I still need to be very careful Mm -hmm. with the sort of exercises I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not supposed to be doing any sort of um, flexion Mm -hmm. or crunching. Mm But today, I have my very first postpartum Pilates class. Okay. So um, I'm just a little bit scared and uneasy about... Is it actually for postpartum? It's a... Or is it just because you are postpartum? Just because I'm okay, postpartum. Okay, got it. Yeah. I didn't know if there was a postpartum Pilates. There should I would be, love if right? there would be. There, that would, that's a great idea. Or trainers who specialize in postpartum. Right. Well, what's your... Um, I'm kind of curious. what Because obviously weight loss is, you know, a goal for some moms. Or just feeling not disgusting. Um, or <laughs> right. having the mental benefits that come with exercise. So totally. do you feel like there's... There's a particular driving force behind wanting to get back to fitness. Is it a little for me? It's um, to be able to do things like run uh-huh. and jump and just be a physically active mom that I want to be. Um, I mean, by looking at me, everybody thinks, "Oh wow, she really just jumped, jumped right back." I'm at my pre-pregnancy weight, right. but um, what they don't see yeah. is the muscle atrophy yeah. and the fact that. Um, I mean, thankfully, they don't see my stomach without clothes on (laughs) because that's not pretty right now. Um, 
So I would say I just want to be a more physically active mom yeah. and I need to build myself yeah. to that point. I can't just, I literally cannot run. Yeah. Yeah. And, and jumping, I, you know, do a Feel really afraid. hardcore, <laughs> hardcore Kegel yeah. while I jump. Well, you are not alone. Um, and <laughs> That's good to know. No. And I think, well, I'm eager to hear how Pilates goes. You'll have to report, report back. And I think, yeah, my only, my only words of wisdom is sometimes we build things up too much in our um, expectations and then set ourselves up to go back to not doing nothing. So, you know, starting small or totally. giving yourself a break if it's just a walk around the block yep. or if it's, if it's too much to make it to Pilates regularly, you know, you yeah. know, you know what Megan and I talk about. Yeah. So, okay. Well, Katie will report back on Pilates. I will. So <clears throat> next up, Katie has a discovery and that is, it can be anything. It can be a product, um, a website or a hack around the house in being mom to two little kids. So what's your discovery this time? So my discovery is actually for anybody out there who's an Instagram user Yay. because I found a new mom to follow. My friend texted me the other night and she said, do you follow this mom? And I said, no, who, who is she? And um, the particular mom is um, playing with Chanel. Okay. So playing with Chanel. Chanel is spelled C-H-A-N-E-L, okay. just like Coco Chanel. Mm -hmm. And uh, she is a mom of two, a little three-year-old girl and a three-month-old girl. And she has a background as an occupational therapist. So she posts on her Instagram account activities for her three-year-old and three-month-old um, that keep them busy and engaged and developing basically I love that I well I love you guys know I love Instagram but I also love that um really good quality information is available on Instagram in such a quick digestible way and the fact that she's in the baby and the toddler phase um and is using what she knows professionally to inspire other moms. I love it. It's so helpful. So let me tell you about yeah. her most recent video that I that I watched. It's it's so funny, you guys. You'll love it. So she has her three-year-old um, delivering the three-month-old a pacifier on a spoon. Okay. Sidestepping on a long piece of painter's tape. So she starts the painter's tape at like one end of the hallway and the three-month-old is like in a different room. And so the three-year-old is supposed to sidestep staying on yeah. the blue painter's tape. Yeah. So it's working on all sorts of gross motor because she's staying on the blue yeah. line and then fine motor because she's she has a pacifier yeah. balancing on a spoon. And all the while, the baby is just like longing, you know, yeah. from the other side of the hallway, wanting her pacifier, you know. And the, the baby has like tissue paper under her feet. So it gives you literally all sorts of ideas. Yes, in sensory, one. sensory play. Yes. So fun. And this particular activity is conducive for the two of them. It keeps yes. both of them busy and yeah. engaged. So those are even better when both of them can have something going on. I love that. Okay. So in the show notes for this episode, we will link to the Instagram account for playing with Chanel. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and Katie and I will be back in a month or so with another one of these segments but come say hi send us an email hello at themomhour.com or hop over to the show notes to say hi to Katie and let us know what you think alright thanks Katie thanks bye